Chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 1. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where, we, where there are plenty of logs. There, we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began to cut down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. Then he showed him the place. And Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and he grabbed it. You know, every parent here in this room, in fact, in every room this morning, can relate to the dilemma of children's shoes. If there's one problem with having children, it's the ongoing plight of shoes. I mean, not only do they wear them out, they grow them out. You know, I have children that are abnormally tall for their ages. I don't know where they get it from, but praise God for my father-in-law, who's over six foot tall, who has given a beacon of light to my children, that hope and height is within their grasp. And my children just always outgrow their shoes. I mean, my son will. You know, I go out, I buy him shoes. You would expect that he would wear them out. No, no, no. He grows them out. This little boy is so committed to astronomical growth that I'm constantly having to buy him new shoes. And they're not cheap. I need your love this morning. I mean, when he was little, people used to buy him shoes. You know, helpful grandparents, hint, uh... You know, other people used to buy him shoes. Now it's all up to me. And the kid is no longer a cotton-on kid's kid. As long as you can buy from cotton-on kids, then as a parent, it's cheap. Once you get out of that, everything goes north. And my, I'm, need, I'm sharing my heart this morning. And my son's shoes are ridiculously, you know, difficult. You've got to buy him these things. The next thing you know, he's kind of bursting out of the seams. His little toes are all scrunched up in the end. I guess, I guess I could leave him in the shoes. That would be one option. I could let him grow up deformed, you know what I'm saying? Nice and small. Or I've got to go out there. I've got to buy him new shoes. Then there's a problem. Because the moment I buy him new shoes, number one, they're expensive. Number two, he's not used to them. So everywhere he goes, you got to watch out because the little guy, I mean, he's already so tall for his little muscles that he can be a little bit, you know, gangly. Isn't boy, boys are amazing, aren't they? Like girls, when they're 11, 12, they just look beautiful. Boys, when we're 12, you know, we just kind of look like we're just, we haven't quite grown into our bodies yet. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, you look 15, you look like, what? You're gorgeous, What? My boy, you know, so then he'll sort of, sort of go around and be falling over all over the place because I buy the shoes about three sizes too big for him. 
Sydney's like, he looks like Goofy, you know what I'm saying? Like Ronald McDonald, big shoes on the end, doing whatever I can to prolong the next need to purchase new shoes. And in life, you can easily get to a point where something that was working is now too small for you. Here we've got an amazing passage of Scripture where the Bible's talking to us about this company of prophets, this company of believers, this, this remnant of the faith that are there to hold up the beacon of God in their generation. When Israel was not in good days, when the nation was not as it should be, there comes along this company of prophets who are called to hold up the standard of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I reckon that's us. That's us in Whangarei, that's us in Hamilton, that's us in Carpentry, that's us in Wellington, that's us in Christchurch, that's us in Dunedin. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus in our generation. Come on, can I get a little bit more encouragement this morning? We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. And it can get to a point where this company that we are part of get to a place where the place where we dwell is too small, too small. Where, where yesterday's blessings become today's restrictions. When what propelled you forward one day is what holding you back the next day. This is the way of the church in the world. I mean, the way of the church in the world is that one day we have a style of church and a method of church and a house of church and a way of doing church that is working for us. And we wake up a few years later and discover that what was working isn't working. Our source of blessing has become our source of restriction. What advanced us is now what is holding us back. Where we felt comfortable and we had room to grow is now the thing that is oppressing and limiting the future God's got for us. And in the moments like that, you've got to make a decision because there are too many times when perhaps as believers we choose the pathway of mutation, adaptation, becoming comfortable in the place of restriction. Other than realizing, you know, we built this house. We, we, we established this environment. We got here. This is home. But there come moments where what you've called home is now just a memorial to where you were supposed to live yesterday. And we have to leave it behind and make it a place of remembrance and make the thing that God's got for us the future that we embrace. If there's anything constant about the 21st century, it would be the need for ongoing change. The only thing constant is change. Yes, your iPhone's gonna get bigger in a month. Accept it. You can moan about it. You can complain about it. You can wish for an iPhone 4. They're going cheap everywhere now. Or you can admit that life is moving forward. And Christians should never be afraid of the future because we serve the God whose love cannot be held back by the present or by the future. Come on, if you believe that, give him some praise. Come on, Fangade. Let me hear you, Dunedin. And we find the company of the prophets accepting, realizing that this is not going to work anymore. So they come to Elisha and they say, hey, this place is too small. Now, the next thing they say is, let's go down to the Jordan River. This is so powerful. You and I need to realize that whenever we see the word Jordan River chucked into the Bible, we are talking about the place of transition. We're talking about the place of crossing over. 
We're talking about the place where we need to step from one world, one life into another world. The Israelites came out of Egypt, freed by God, the blood of the Lamb over the door, crossed the Red Sea and left their life of slavery into a life of now freedom. And that's what happens when Jesus jumps into your life. You leave goodbye, the world where the devil holds you in slavery, where sin's got it over you, where hell is your ultimate destination. Because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, over your life, you are now set free. The Red Sea is parted. You are in the glorious freedom of the children of God. That's exciting, right? But then the Bible says that they reach the edge of the Jordan. The Jordan is the place where we have to step over from just a fruitless life where God sustains us into a world of opportunities where we can do something great for God. And the Jordan crossing is always a picture of leaving behind one level and stepping into another level. Jesus was baptized into the Jordan. He went into the waters of the Jordan, a carpenter. He came out of the waters, a Messiah. He stepped over into something new. But church, I believe that God wants us in Whangarei, in Hamilton, in Kapiti, Wellington, Christchurch, Dunedin, to be a church that will cross the Jordan and go into something new that God's got for us. Can I hear you this morning? We need to be willing to leave behind the comfort of what we had, to step forward into what God's got, and to step into something new that we've never been in before. Let's go down to the Jordan. Say it with me. Let's go down to the Jordan. Come on, Fagane. Let's go down to the Jordan. The Jordan is the place where opportunities abound. The Jordan is the place where we can cross over into what God's got. The Jordan is the place where God moves us into something new. I'm so excited this morning for Fangre, for a live church as you begin this journey because really what you're saying is we're going down to the Jordan. We recognize that God is going to do something quicker. God is going to do something bigger in Fangre than He's done in generations that have gone before. And in order for us to do that, we have to leave behind perhaps a way of even thinking about church that can get too small. We've got to embrace something bigger as we build not just a local church in different environments and a church that can touch one city. No, that we build a church that can touch a nation with the love of Jesus Christ. A united company of believers from Northland to Southland who can partner together to see the name of Jesus lifted up, to see people one for Christ, to see the love of God put back at the center of our nation's agenda. Come on, if you reckon that can happen, why don't you pause and give God praise? Come on. Let's go down to the Jordan. Let's go down to the Jordan. Notice the next thing that they say is they say, where there are plenty of logs. You know, where there are plenty of logs. Logs represent for us in the Scriptures opportunities. Opportunities. <laughs> How do I know that? Because of Minecraft. Come on. You got to mine it. You got to get it if you want to give it. You got to have it if you want to use it. And the Bible says that at the Jordan, there are plenty of logs, right? The, the fundamental any Minecraft person needs is some logs and some dirt. You just got to 
hack away at these things and, you know, I don't know, put them, whatever they are, but you get your resource bag full and then you can do stuff. And they say, man, if we're going to build a new house for God, then we need some resources. We need some stuff. And I want you to know that it's amazing how we can live in one location, live in one way of thinking and think, man, it's all, it's all restricted. We can't do a lot. We haven't got a lot. But then, man, if you would come out of that house, if you would walk down and cross that Jordan, then you'll find on the other side that there are plenty of opportunities available for you right now. And I believe that for the church in New Zealand, there have never been more opportunities for us than there are in this season. That with the changes in technology, with the present state of our New Zealand climate, that this country has never been more ripe for revival than it is right now. Come on, if you believe that, say amen this morning. Jesus said, open your eyes for the harvest is right. Any Christian, any Christian who can't see the harvest needs the word of the Lord into their heart this morning. If you think that it's about surviving until Jesus comes back with this faithful remnant holding the fort, hoping that the devil doesn't get us, <laughs> then open your eyes, pal. Jesus' commandment is as real today as it ever was. There are not three months and then the harvest. No, I tell you, open your eyes because the harvest is here and the harvest is now. These are the days of opportunity. Come on. This is the time for New Zealand to move. I'll never forget. I'll never forget moving to Wellington in Labor Weekend of 2002, waking up the end of February 2003 and walking down Cuba Street and suddenly the entire age of the city had gone down about maybe 10 or 15 years as 30,000 university students descended on the city for another year of education. I mean, I was like, what the heck? We have crossed the Jordan and there are plenty of logs. There are opportunities everywhere to share the gospel. I mean, I bet you Ray and Emma, they're feeling like they're strangers in a city that they now call home, but they don't even know it. Yet right now in a lounge room in Dunedin, they're acutely aware that surrounding them in a one kilometer radius from the house where they're listening to this service, there are hundreds and thousands of people who need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you've crossed the Jordan and we give you a salute and a praise this morning. You are awesome. We need to be committed to a group, being a group of people that are going to see the opportunities and cross the Jordan into what God's got for us. There are plenty of opportunities. We're believing in these days that we're going to build a church of influence, not just for a city, but for a nation. We're believing that through changes in technology and strategy that we can now network together a company of believers from the top of New Zealand to the south and the bottom of the south and see this company of believers empowered. Not an up-down model of church, but a groundswell model of church that propels life groups to be in every location, everywhere in New Zealand, not bound by geography, not bound by buildings, not limited by any means, but able just to touch people wherever they are. We want to build the kind of church that puts resources in the hands of believers, that empowers the harvest, that says we can reach that school, we can reach that uni, we can reach that workplace, we can reach that town for Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church that we're committed to building. We're committed to building a church that in every city where there is an Arise campus, that Arise campus is large and prominent and cannot be hidden. 
We want to build a church that is so portable that it's accessible to the smallest of towns in the most remote of locations. It has access to prisons, retirement homes. It can access people no matter where they are. And we can build a church that through God's people and a spirit of unity might actually have a shot at changing a nation for Jesus Christ. Come on, anybody read across the Jordan? Anybody seeing some logs of opportunity? I believe that these are the greatest days for the church. I believe these are moments when we have to embrace the favor that is ours, where we have to believe together that if we're willing to unite, not care who gets the credit, not worry about the name over the door, that we might build the kind of church that could actually do something great for Jesus Christ. Opportunities. Opportunities. There are, there are plenty of opportunities. They come down to this place, the Jordan, and the Bible says that when they get there, they begin, they begin their process. They start getting their axe heads out and they're, they're whacking away. You know, they start the process. Our whole theme for this year is move, move. <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> Ray, Ray, Ray and Emma, Ray and Emma Moore come to Vision Sunday, hear the vision, move, move. We're all going to be people that are going to move, right? And then they go home and they are like, right, so what are we doing? And God's like, you're moving. <laughs> what, what do you mean, Lord? No, no, you're moving. You're going to Dunedin from Wellington, for those who aren't quite aware of what I'm talking about. But you know what? Whangarei is about an amazing announcement of change today as Pastor Aaron and Pauline have said, we cannot stay where we are. We cannot stay where we are. We are going to be people who move. I reckon God is looking for a company of thousands of people who are going to have the same kind of crazy faith that Aaron and Pauline Halverson have got this morning, who are going to say, we are prepared to move too. We're prepared to step outside of our comfort zone. God didn't bring you to this church to put you on the shelf. God brought you here to be part of what God is doing. Whether you've been part of Arise for one week or for one decade, God wants us all to move to the next level of contribution, faith, engagement in what God is doing. And if we all move, then amazing what happens when a group of people pick up their axe and they start whacking at some trees. You know, one can put a thousand. One can build a shed. But a 1,000 could put 10,000, two could put 10,000, sorry. And imagine if 5,500 people this morning decide, I'm picking up an axe and I'm going to start felling trees. I'm going to get busy being part of what God is doing. I can swing this sucker. I can hack at something. Man, we can put a lot to flight. We can go a long way for Jesus. We're going to establish something amazing for our God. Come on, if you believe that, give Him some praise in every venue. Give Him some praise. We can move forward. We can see God do something great. Oh, man, they start whacking away at the trees. Results are coming. Things are happening. Oh, it's amazing when you start moving forward and God starts to bless you. It's amazing. I love that. But then the Bible tells us that what happens next is pretty much what's going to happen to you and it's going to happen to me is that the Bible says that this man is hacking away. He is using his axe. It is effective. It is working. Everything's going good. And then as he goes a back motion, back motion, 
back motion off the axe, flies the axe head, and it falls into the Jordan. Jordan, by the way, speaks of death to be followed by new life. And as the axe head falls into the river, the Bible says that this guy is left now without his edge. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you feel in life like you've been working at something and maybe you're still working at something, but the edge that you had is now lost? Anybody ever experienced that? It's like everything was effective yesterday. Oh man, oh man, my life group was growing. This thing was happening. I was alive. I was sharing my faith. I lifted my hands in worship and God was right there. You know, things can be moving. Things can be growing. And then one day you realize that you're still whacking at it. You're still putting in the same amount of energy. You're still believing for the same kind of results. But what was working isn't working anymore where suddenly you've lost your edge, lost your touch, lost your power, lost your effectiveness, lost your efficiency. Be very careful the hard judgments you make when you've lost your edge. Never view your own performance when you've lost your edge. Never doubt, never, never assess your own capacity when you've lost your edge. Sometimes there are moments when God has to kill you so He can resurrect you. There are moments when you've got to lose something to know what it's like to be undone. Any church, any church built on a man's strength is going to fall, right? True? I mean, you're okay. I just put it out there. You're okay to say amen to it, right? Any church built on a man's strength? Any, any, any church built on how great I can whack? You know, I could get up here. I, I, could, I could preach. I could yell. I could burst veins. I'm not throwing passion under the bus, by the way, because I am a fired up preacher. I only got one way of preaching, and that's with lots of noise. <laughs> if you want a conversational preacher, we'll bring one in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, just, I just don't excel in that area. But, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't the whack of men. It ain't the, ain't the might of men. And, it can be like that in life. It can be like that in, in parenting. It can be like that in your energy. It can be like that in your own walk with Christ. It's like it was working. It was right there. And then what was working is suddenly lost to you and you have that feeling like you've lost your edge. You've got to be careful in those moments. Don't doubt yourself in those moments. And I reckon if a rise is going to grow flourish like we want it to. I believe that these are days of amazing opportunity. I sat down this week and I began to think about the numbers of where our church is just going, right? So we're bringing on board Whangarei, we're opening up Dunedin, we've got our existing four campuses. The campuses that we have, by the way, have not stopped growing, so everything's still moving forward. And if we just kind of keep up what we're doing now, just in the natural, leave, leave out and I hear this when I say this, but if we just exclude the supernatural hand of God, then at 16% a year growth, which is entirely achievable for the way that Arise grows, then in the year 2023, 20,000 people will sit in one of these auditoriums on a Sunday. We have now crossed a tipping point in our Arise vision where more people will attend an Arise service outside of this venue in Wellington than inside of it, and this one continues to grow. For those of you not here, we've got about 30 seats across the back, and that's it. So God is still moving, yet our growth rate is excelling. Yet I'm starting to say, hang on a minute. 
let's not just aim for natural growth. However, we believe for supernatural growth. So I'm like, God, what, what should we be shooting for? What should be our goal? And I felt the number 50,000 just came into my heart. Why don't we believe because we're trying to, what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to build a rise like a church has not been built before. We're trying to take the limits off it. We're trying to say we will establish in the next 10 years, 14 campuses up and down New Zealand, but we also want to partner with churches in every location that need some help to grow. So we're going to sponsor some people. We're also going to do some things online. We're going to do some things with little micro campuses and prisons and rest homes and places all over the country. How about we believe that we could minister on a Sunday to 50,000 people in 10 years' time? Why not? Why not shoot for it? And then the worst thing we could do is fail to get there. But if we shoot for it, we're going to get a long way beyond five and a half thousand. And I'm up for potential failure if it gives God the opportunity to do something that only He can do. we got to keep our edge, your eyes. Come on, no matter how long you've been part of this journey, maybe you've been just joining us in Whangarei and just trying to take this all in. You're like, what the heck is that Cameron talking about? Don't worry, we'll figure it out as we go along. But let's, let's at least be willing to never, never adapt to small. Never make small where we live. Never become comfortable. Mutated believers with deformed feet. Let's believe for big houses and big vision and lots of room for God to do something great. Come on. And the Bible tells us that the man loses his accent, loses his edge. And the greatest danger for us would be that as believers, we just get comfortable. That we just, we just accept the loss of our edge. And we become accustomed to it. I think when you start putting out vision in front of a church, one of the dangers can be that maybe we've been whacking away in our life for a long time in our faith without the edge. I personally make the number one criteria of how I judge an arise service by how many people came to the Lord at the end of that service. Because we could go through this thing and we could, you know, you could, get, you could just get fed and walk out the door and go, wow, God's good. But if we lose the edge... If it's not making a difference, if it's not touching anybody new, it doesn't actually matter really, does it, at the end of the day, whether we like our worship. I'm pretty sure there are two categories of who should be impressed by our worship. The first should be God. <laughs> I don't really like that worship. That's cool because we didn't worship you with the song we were singing. <laughs> Hello. And the second thing is it better reach some lost people. I mean, we sang a song this morning, the C3 band led us, you know, and just amazing song, Above My Circumstances, You Are Worship, declaring to a people that might have come to the service with some kind of sickness in their body, some kind of problem in their life, some kind of huge challenge, that there is a God who is bigger than what we are facing. We need to make sure that we keep it about the edge, about touching the edges of the church, about touching the edges of society about reaching further than we've reached before. 
I'm not afraid of a church that looks different. I'm not afraid of a church that embraces different people. I'm not afraid of moving beyond because we've got to make sure that no matter where we are in this nation, that we keep our edge. The edge of a rise, firstly, is about winning lost people for Christ. That's our edge. That's our edge. Let's make sure in every Arise service, we also always make that the number one thing that evaluates whether the church was great or not. Let's make that the thing that rises in our hearts. I preached a message a while ago in our church based on the thought of coffee. I love coffee. Life's too short for bad coffee. The greatest danger to coffee is overextraction. Trying to take too much from one bean. There's only so much oil on every bean. For a church to remain on the cutting edge, it has to stay committed to reaching lost people. You know why? Because there's only so much oil in every bean, and we're all beans. Churches that try and just extract more. Oh, we need deep worship. We need deep teaching. We need just, oh, more. Let's just, more for me, for God. Feel me, feel me, feel me, feel me. Well, let's be honest, sometimes it can be like having a real bad cup of coffee, those meetings. Like we're just trying to ramp it up. We're taking too much out of what's there. Go and reach some more lost people. Watch what happens when a new believer comes in. They're like, are you kidding? This church service is for free? Are you serious? Like a rock concert for God? Are you serious? We get a sin forgiven? We get to go to heaven. Jesus walks with me. I'm part of his family. He gave me an identity. Are you serious? I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. What? I've got a heavenly father, even though I've never had one on this earth. What? When people find Jesus, church has its edge. If you believe that every place, give him some praise this morning. Come on. We're going to keep our edge. We're going to be committed more than ever to reaching teenagers in high school, university campuses, people in workplaces. Yeah, we're going to have a sweaty, smelly, young, loud church, and that's the one you get to be part of. But we're going to keep our edge and win lost people for Jesus Christ. Hopefully I'm not the sweaty, smelly one. The next thing you need if we're going to stay on the edge is we need to remember that it's all about prayer and the presence of God. This church never becomes a show, never becomes a concert, it never becomes something where Christians get to sit during the moment when we connect with Christ and then at the end of it, you know, endure the worship and then get fed by the Word and go out home. There can be a selfishness that creeps into our faith. But you know what I've found about church? I've found that when the presence of God is most tangible is when the altars are the most full with people finding Christ. Ten years of experience. We've never gone weird in a rise, but we have gone kind of crazy. Does that make sense? We need to make sure we keep the presence of God. It's fundamental to everything we are. I personally believe that our staff prayer meetings during the week, the most important meeting a rise has. The meetings where we gather on our different campuses, 8.30 in the morning normally, and we pray for, you know, I don't know, what, an hour, half an hour for the services before they start the intercessory prayer meeting, that's extremely important. 
the 10 minutes where all the volunteers in our church pray from 9.20 to 9.30 to remind us that it's not about just the fact that we just set up an arena for worship, for praise, with lights and cameras, but it's actually about God touching people. That's exceptionally important. We must keep prayer in the presence of God at the center of everything that we do. Number three, the third thing that we need is a big vision. A big vision. I kind of preached about this one already, but we need to be scared when we look at our vision. We need to be like, oh my gosh, this is going to require something of me. We started the first decade of Arise Church with a small vision. We thought it was big. There'd never been a church over a thousand people in Wellington. So we said, right, we're going to have a vision in our hearts to build a church of influence for the city of Wellington. It's going to fill large indoor arenas. We're going to do this thing. Ten years later, we kind of outgrew the vision. Now we're saying we're going to build a church of influence for the nation of New Zealand. And just like it scared me 10 years ago, the vision scares me now. But you know what? God is looking for a group of people that are going to put themselves in a place where what God's put in your heart is going to scare you in the natural. He's looking for a people with a big vision, a big vision. What's cool about this is that in our passage of Scripture, we jumped over it, but in our passage, you know, they say, you know what, this place is too small. We've got an idea, a problem, followed by an idea. And then the prophet says, that's a good thing, let's do it. Meaning that we just got to get busy with some ideas, people. Let's get some big vision. We're trying to rewrite the script of what it means to be a church in this country, to believe that we can create resources that flow down into Christian believers. We want to build a church that is without walls, without geography, without limits. We want to build a church for everyone, everywhere, campuses from the top of the island to the bottom of the south. We want to give the ability for any church, any group, any people, anywhere who want to have one of our services linked into where they are to make that possible so we can Empower the church in Machuweka, on the West Coast, and in Oregon, wherever, wherever you want it, that we can go there. We're saying, man, let's get a big vision. Let's believe for 5,000 life groups in 10 years' time. Let's believe for an army of believers that can touch a nation for Jesus Christ. Let's get a vision that's going to blow our socks off and inspire us to grow. Oh man, we've just been looking at this, these thoughts for only the last maybe one, two years and already everything about our expectations have gone to another level. We just need so many more pastors. I'm walking past everybody going, you, 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 get in here, let's do this. But big vision scares you. And the last thing we need is the band come and join me. We need crazy faith. You know what I love about pastors Aaron and Pauline Halverson is their crazy faith. They are this message. They are this company of prophets willing to leave behind what they've had. We honor this morning as well Pastor Peter and Beryl Halverson, Pastor Merv and Liz Cullen, who have been the, the, the pastoral team that grew that church for so many decades. And right now in every campus, can we honor an amazing father, mother, amazing pastors, and Merv and Liz who did such an incredible job for God. We love you and we salute you and we honor you. But realizing, realizing that things have changed, Aaron and Pauline, they said, we're going to be crazy enough to leave where we were. Not geographically, by the way, guys. They're not going anywhere. But to leave where they were and to have the crazy faith to say, we will, we will go and be part of something bigger 
we'll embrace a Jordan crossing. And would we have that kind of faith? That kind of faith that says, man, you know what? I could sit, I could sit and be my kind of Christian and do my thing, be around what God's doing. Or could we have the kind of faith that just throws ourselves in there? Says, get me wet. Get me in that Jordan. Let's do this thing for God. Let's believe for something phenomenal together. Then the Bible says that Elisha the prophet says, where, where did you lose your edge? Where did you lose it? He says, I, I, I lost it over here. You know what I found? Most Christians can remember when they lost it. They can remember the last time they had their edge. He says, well, you know, he throws a stick in the water. And the Bible says an axe head made out of metal, flint, floats to the surface. And he says, now you reach out and you take it. And I close this message this morning by simply saying, if we want to be part of what God is doing, if we want to get that edge back, well, then right now, wherever you hear me this morning, you can reach out and take your edge back and declare, I am coming alive in Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill my heart with passion. I'm going to get the edge back into my world. And you're going to find that God can do something greater through you than you perhaps judged was even possible in your life. You can move faster than you've moved so far. You can fell trees quicker than you fell them. You can, you can see God's blessing on another level. And I believe that God is calling people this morning to a whole new level in Him. In every venue right now, can you just stand to your feet all over the country? Dunedin, Christchurch, Carpenty, Pangadei. Close your eyes right where you are this morning. Here's the final word from the Lord for you today. Reach out and take it. Take your edge back. Take your edge back. I'm telling you right now, there are a hundred people in Whangarei getting their edge back this morning. I'm telling you. In Kapiti, there's 50 to 100 people getting their edge back. I'm telling you, Wellington, Christchurch, Hundreds, hundreds of people this morning remembering the edge of faith you need in your life. Coming alive again. Believing for more. Declaring another level. You know that edge. Come on, if that's you, wherever you're hearing my voice, lift both your hands towards heaven. Let me pray for you this morning. I'm getting my edge back. I'm getting my edge back. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I call life to every person from Whangarei to Dunedin. We declare right now life to people. An edge, passion, faith, ability, favor, favor. Let them chop down walls, break through obstacles, be an instrument in your hand again. Call them to another level of service. Release them for new things. We declare hindrances are gone. Barriers are broken. Freedom is found in your people today. We declare it in the mighty name of Jesus.
If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.